0: Welcome to ADHD Crash Course, the podcast for those of us who feel we have a lot to learn about ADHD, and that includes me. I've been at this for a while, and I'm still learning new things. I'm an occupational therapist, a certified coach, a mom of more than one child with ADHD, and I have ADHD. So welcome to the Crash Course. We're in this together, and let's jump in. Hi, today we're going to talk about what ADHD looks like in girls and some of you may be wondering, well, why do we need to talk about girls versus boys? It's ADHD and that is true to a point. But one thing that we know is that ADHD continues to be underdiagnosed in girls. Well, why is that? It's a little complicated, but one of the issues is that females more often have the inattentive form of ADHD, and that's just not as likely to get caught in different environments, to get noticed in different environments as the hyperactive form, and boys are more likely to have the hyperactive form. Now, let me just say before I dig into this, because we're going to dig into about eight different girls and describe eight different girls with ADHD and what they look like. If a boy has inattentive ADHD, well, that would very likely look like him as well. I just have a lot of experience working with Females. I, I specialize in working with women who have been diagnosed with ADHD as adults, and so my experience is very girl heavy. I have ADHD. I have two daughters with ADHD, and and one of the things that I've seen clinically, even as my work as an occupational therapist, is a lot of times these girls get missed. So I thought it'd be helpful if I described, just introduce you to eight girls that have ADHD, and you can see what it shows up like, what it looks like in their lives. A lot of the women I work with are trying to piece together their history as they're trying to figure out whether or not they have ADHD. They're getting help now as adults and a lot of times we're looking back at childhood because it's really important to do that because ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder and that means that it shows up in childhood if you have it. If it, if something just shows up in adulthood it's likely to be something else else. There's a lot of overlap with ADHD and different diagnoses. The problem with that is that a lot of ADHD gets missed, especially for girls and especially for those who have the inattentive form of ADHD. So I thought it'd be helpful if we just dove in today and rather than me list a bunch of symptoms and a bunch of scenarios, I want to introduce you to girls. And these girls are based on real people, people that I know, people that I love, people I've worked with, people I'm related to. These are very near and dear to me and these are real people and I think that if you see yourself in these girls if you see people you love in these girls it's worth digging a little deeper and seeing if ADHD is a factor I'm not saying that seeing yourself in one of these girls is a slam dunk. It just gives you information. And for a lot of the women I work with, it gives them kind of a missing childhood piece. And and we're going to see more about that in just a minute. So the first girl that I'm going to introduce you to is Ellie. How does ADHD show up for Ellie? Ellie's a crier. Okay, like Ellie cries when she's angry. She cries when she's sad. She cries very easily, and the adults in her life tell Ellie that she is too sensitive. She needs to toughen up, and she does cry easily. She cries for things that don't make her peers cry, right? She's easily frustrated. She's not actually able to stop herself from crying. This embarrasses her. She doesn't want to be quote unquote overreacting and it's causing her to strike out with friends. She's not getting invited places. She is not having people accept her invitations. It's jamming her up a little bit. This is not something that she wants to be true so she gets frustrated she cries at home and at school right but she's usually able to keep her anger kind of loosely in check at school at home it's not possible at home she comes home and she not only does she cry but she has tantrums she has fits she throws things she melts down her mom says she goes from like zero to 60 with no warning she just doesn't even know what's gonna set her off of course this causes friction in her house friction with her siblings So what is going on with Ellie? You already know she has ADHD. Why is it showing up this way for her? Because Ellie has problems with emotional regulation. And for those of you who are not familiar with emotional regulation, that means that emotions for Ellie show up Almost in an overwhelming way. She gets flooded with them. This is probably most problematic with what we would think of as negative emotions, like her anger, her frustration. This causes the most disruption, but even happiness and like joyful emotions are almost just too much for her. Another thing going on with Ellie is impulsivity. Now, we all have impulses. And so when you say impulsivity, you're talking about the impulse that all of us have. I'm so frustrated, I'm gonna throw this thing across the room. Ellie is missing that little pause that more typical brains have between the impulse and an action. So there's impulse, pause, action, impulse, throw on this thing because I'm frustrated. Pause means I'm going to take a second, just a millisecond and think, well, how's this going to end up? What are the likely outcomes? Uh, what do I want to happen? How worth it is it? to do this. Um, This pause could also include like going back to your impulse and saying, oh, that made me really mad. Is that the way she meant to say that? Could there be something else going on? That pause lets you think about what happened before your impulse too. But Ellie doesn't have that. She has no pause or very little pause. So she has an impulse and an action. So she has this emotional regulation stuff going on, her impulsivity going on, and that's what it looks like for Ellie. And it's really easy to look at an Ellie and think, okay, well, the goal is that she just stops behaving this way. And of course, it's going to be better. We want her to stop having tantrums. We want her to be able to connect with her friends and not break into tears for every little hiccup. But if we only focus on this, here's the tricky part with Ellie. Most of our Ellie's are going to reach a point in their lives, some sooner than later, where the consequences are so great that if they can, if it's available in any way to them, they're going to stuff down those emotional reactions in order to be accepted, in order to not get in trouble. Very often, social rewards are the most important. So Ellie might reach an age where she decides or attempts to really rein this in so she's not rejected by her peers. The problem with that is that just because we're not seeing that Ellie's not regulating emotionally doesn't mean that she's actually regulating. So what happens? All that stuff gets bottled inside, stuffed down. And there you have a high risk for Ellie. What is she at risk of? Well, many of you already know that she's At risk of addictions, what a lot of people don't know is that Ellie's also at risk as a female with ADHD of eating disorders. And so both addictions and eating disorders are really can be tied in to difficulty with regulation that people are seeking out methods to regulate and they're not, you know, they're not typically yoga, right? They're grabbing what's available to them without much conscious thought of this. So we want to be careful with an Ellie that we're not just saying, hey, let's just get her to shut up and, you know, calm down. And there's a lot going on that she needs help. Our next girl is Natalia. Now, Natalia's friendly. She's outgoing. She's fun. And she's always had a really easy time making friends. Lately, she's having a hard time keeping friends. Why? Well, Natalia tends to interrupt her friends. She gets so excited. If they're sharing a story, she gets so excited about what she wants to share that she just jumps in, blurts her story out, doesn't even really acknowledge that they said anything and kind of hijacks the conversation. She does this a lot. All right. So, she doesn't really mean to be rude. She knows she should probably listen to her friends and let them at least finish a little bit, but she gets so excited and she's also pretty sure she's going to forget what she wants to say. And so one day Natalia's kind of walking down the hallway and she sees her group of friends. They don't see her. She overhears them talking about her. They're saying she's so selfish. She's so annoying. She only cares about herself. Natalia's devastated. She didn't see that coming. She's just floored. So what's up with Natalia? How does ADHD play into this? Well, Natalia's impulsive. That whole pause that we were talking about with Ellie is a really mini to no pause for her. She wants to share a story. She shares her story. She doesn't have this minute where she's thinking of like, Oh, what's this going to make my friend feel like? will it seem like I'm interested? Will it seem like I care? She does care. She is interested, but that perception matters with friends that they feel cared about as well. Not just that, that it exist within you and so that's an issue for Natalia but a really big issue for Natalia that we don't really think about is working memory that's a huge issue for many people with ADHD what does that mean for her it means when she said I'm kind of afraid I'm going to forget this story she's going to forget the story a minute down the road when it's the right time to, to share her story after she's acknowledged her friend let her friend understand that she heard her and cares about what she's saying she's forgotten it she doesn't have it anymore so there's a those two things are working together that that are really kind of cramping her socially. And so the third thing going on with Natalia, and this is a huge thing going on for our girls and our boys, is that she's not attending to paying attention to the social cues around her. So a lot of her friends with more common brains, more typical brains, they're getting feedback all the time. And there's been feedback for Natalia. She hasn't seen it. She hasn't noticed it. When she's cutting her friends off, she's getting rolled eyes, arms crossed across the chest, exchanged glances with friends, awkward pauses. There's all kinds of clues that are letting Natalia know, "Uh, change course, correct course here. She doesn't get them. And so then when she hears her friends talking about her, it's out of nowhere for her. She's had no chance to correct course. She's had no chance to adjust what she's doing. She's just kind of thrown in there with this result with no understanding of how she got there. And of course, that's really tough. Okay, so next we're going to meet Meg. You're going to meet eight girls today. You've already met two. Meg is our third. Um, I will tell you that Meg is one of the two girls who are the least likely to get diagnosed as a child. So Meg is a child who worries, and she worries about everything. Worrying actually helps this child remember. She relies on her worry, <laughs> so she's not forgetting things. And she also relies on something else, um, especially in the classroom. She relies on a friend, and she her little friend Anna sits next to her. Anna always knows what's going on. And so she asks Anna what's going on. What were the instructions she just missed? What's something she doesn't understand? She leans really heavily on Anna. Normally that's fine for Anna. She's patient. She's paying attention. Sometimes it annoys Anna. She's trying to listen to the next thing and it's actually disrupting her in the classroom. So she's not always so happy to help. Now Meg is worrying about all the things. She's worrying about saying the wrong thing in class. She's worrying about forgetting things. This child is so worried about getting in trouble. Meg is never in trouble, but it doesn't stop her worrying from getting in trouble. She's super sensitive to any kind of feedback or or doing things wrong. And so this child is constantly second guessing herself right and that happens socially too maybe even more so socially she's quiet in groups she's hesitant to join in conversation she second guesses the things that she says socially and in class all the time what does that mean well a Meg ends up being kind of invisible in the classroom you don't see her she's definitely not causing trouble she's working really hard to blend in so what's up with Meg Meg is tricky here's the thing about anxiety and ADHD Anxiety can look like ADHD, ADHD can look like anxiety, and they can coexist. So, We know, we get the cheat sheet, Meg has anxiety and ADHD. So her anxiety is helping mask the ADHD. She is compensating that way. Her constant worry keeps her on top of things. Is it good for her body and her energy and her life? No, she's got this constant state of hypervigilance that's just exhausting. She's got cortisol flushing her body all the time. She is in this constant state of like just... Just exhausting hypervigilance. Um, another thing that Meg is doing is she's leaning on her friend Anna to compensate. Meg has inattention, She, which we know is really common. Obviously, it's kind of one of the pillars of ADHD is that you're not attending. And so she knows she's missing things. She doesn't want to embarrass herself. She doesn't want to get in trouble. So she's leaning really heavily on Anna to figure out what she missed. But it's not just her inattention. She has difficulty with her working memory. So just like Natalia, if her teacher just listed out three things, she just got the last one. Holding that information in her head, these kids are especially going to have a hard time with auditory instructions and directions if there's no visual backup. Third thing for Meg is that she has executive functioning issues, which means now if you have ADHD, you have issues with executive functioning. Some people have them severely, some people have them marginally, but it's impacted. If you can say always, I will say always here. I know you're never supposed to say always, but pretty close to always. So she has deficits in executive functioning skills. These are the skills that help you plan things, break things down, organize things, make decisions, prioritize. And so these are really heavy skills for the classroom. And so instructions that require her to figure out something, sequence something, have steps, she's lost. And so she's also leaning on her friend to do that for her. And so anxiety and ADHD are keeping her from making connections with her friends or keeping her, her from being a part of her classroom, and they really cause her to live kind of on the fringes and very unlikely to stand out as being someone who actually needs help, maybe for the anxiety, but but not for the ADHD. So now we have Jessie. Jessie is, Jessie's who you picture when you say, my daughter has ADHD, it's Jessie. She has ants in her pants. She's constantly moving, even if she's doing something that's seated, like uh, watching a show. She's flipping off the couch. She's rushing through everything that's boring. What's boring for Jessie? Everything, everything that she doesn't want to do. So she rushes through the shower. She leaves with shampoo in her hair. She gets out of the shower with shampoo in her hair. She's leave the table before her family's even sitting down. She is constantly rushing through things like homework with sloppy handwriting and missing questions and what we call careless mistakes so she's also talking fast like i'm doing now so i'll try to slow down (laughs) she talks fast and she's hard to understand and so she mumbles she talks fast she's being told to all the time talk slower talk quieter and slow down all right she has a hard time controlling her volume and she has a hard time controlling her speed. She also in the classroom, like, so this is home, right? I just described home for Jesse. Imagine school for Jesse. She has a hard time staying in her seat. She gets up. She'll get up and leave the room without permission. And so what does that look like? Well, it can kind of look like she's defiant. She's not defiant, but she she looks like it. She's not following directions. She distracts her classmates all the time. She makes noises. She's touching them. She's drumming on her desk. She's whispering to them. She's pulling their clothing when they're in line. She's always fiddling with someone, annoying someone. She needs constant reminders to not touch other people, to stay on task, especially if, if they're moving between classrooms. So, what's going on with Jesse? So, we already talked about impulsivity, Jesse's impulsive. We didn't talk as much about hyperactivity, but that's that's the one that everybody pretty much can figure out and see in Jesse. So she's impulsive. She's hyperactive. She's, this child is much more likely to get diagnosed with ADHD. And that's working in her favor because maybe she's going to get tools. But she's also really likely to have kind of constant negative feedback about her behaviors. This is at school with her family, her friends, her teachers. She's going to get a lot of your too much. And that's going to have pretty big impact on Jessie so also I mentioned before her impulsive behaviors can look like intentional defiance and this can end up being a really bad cycle for her if she's being interpreted as being defiant and people respond like they would respond to defiance and this this child's just really just seeking out constant movement and dealing with impulsivity another thing about Jessie is that consequences and rewards that really work well for every other kid in her class don't work well for Jessie she is in the moment and so these rewards and things things that are extended away out of the moment and consequences are out of the moment, it's not going to work for her. And that gets really complicated because that's really how most rewards and consequences work. They're a little more removed from the moment and that's tough for Jessie. So the next girl we're going to meet is Shreya. Now Shreya needs to move to focus, but not like Jessie. Like She's kind of wiggly and fiddly and fidgety. So how does that look like? Well, in class, she's doodling on paper. She's playing with her hair. She's fidgeting with little things on her desk. She's chewing on her pencil. She's tipping her chair back. She's doing all these things that that are, maybe they're a little annoying or kind of, stand out a little bit to people they're not a huge disruption but these are the ways she's trying to focus this child is seeking out a lot of sensory input a lot of movement to help her focus right at home this can be kind of frustrating because she's playing with her food that annoys her mom because she's playing with her food and fiddling with napkins and and just kind of not really doing the things that mom wants her to do like eat her food and move on also at home when she's doing schoolwork at the table with her with her siblings she's humming or singing while she's doing that and this really annoys her siblings they can't focus but Shreya isn't even really aware that she's doing this she doesn't even really know that she's humming and singing so what's up with Shreya so she has some behaviors that aren't as is easy to recognize with ADHD, but this is how she is actually using these things to pay attention. Her fiddling, her doodling her humming are all ways she's getting sensory input to focus. And so these behaviors can be misinterpreted. They're not as disruptive as Jesse's, but if they're going on, they can be irritating to people. And more importantly for Shreya, this is how her ADHD is showing up. It's not showing up like with fireworks. It's easy to miss sometimes. And, and if she's not struggling at this moment with her classwork it's easy to think this isn't really a big deal we have to look deeper with Ashreya though and see what's going on with her and what is a big deal for her how is ADHD impacting her we're seeing she's struggling to focus what does that mean for Ashreya? all right I already mentioned that you're going to meet two girls I think I mentioned that are not they're really unlikely to get identified as having ADHD Faith is our second girl. Meg was our first girl with the anxiety and the ADHD. Faith is the second girl. And probably out of everybody, Faith is the least likely to stand out really in the classroom. So what's up with Faith? Faith is she's low energy, especially in the classroom and school. She's got her head propped up in her hand. Sometimes she looks like she's half asleep. Maybe she's going to rock back in her chair and get some movement or bounce her leg, but maybe not. She might not do that at all. She might just look super, super low energy. Her thoughts drift, and she's not always ready to answer in class, but she's not disruptive in any way, and if she doesn't get called on, it's not really going to show up. She also tries to avoid eye contact and really be almost invisible. This is another kid who's going to be invisible, especially in the classroom. She doesn't want to draw attention to herself. She knows she's not always focused in, and so she's kind of like your under-the-radar girl. Here's the thing about Faith, though. Faith is super intelligence. She knows the answers to things that are questions are being asked, but she can't answer quickly. She looks kind of low energy, but she also processes slowly. And so she's not as quick to answer as her classmates. And that means that a lot of times people Y'all the answer before she even knows if she knows it. She does not really sure what she knows sometimes because she is slower. And that rhythm is not a good fit a lot of times for a lot of classrooms. A lot of classrooms kind of equate fast with, with knowing something, with mastering something. And that's not faith. So she also spends more time than her classmates on her assignments. And pressure and timed work can actually cause her to slow down even more. So the fast pace of the classroom is exhausting for her. What does that mean for home? By the time she comes home, that child is toast. She's tired and she's irritated and she, she's going to be probably more likely to melt down just like Ellie was. But she she might even look really different at home. But it's more because she's just exhausted at that point. So what's up with Faith? Why is ADHD showing up for her this way? It's because she has problems regulating attention and her energy levels, just like all the people with ADHD. But for her, it looks different. For her, it's low. Her energy is low. And what's the worst thing for her in the world is to sit in the same place for a couple hours. By the time that's done, that child is tanked. So when we see Faith moving and kind of fiddling, rocking her chair, she's she's not hyperactive. She's trying to get sensory input to get her attention to come up her nervous system level to come up where she can actually pay attention and she is slow to process auditory information part of that is because she's inattentive she can't filter out sounds around her she's internally just her thoughts she drifts in her thoughts and she's rarely able to show what she knows in the classroom she's just not quick enough and so of course that ends up impacting the kind of student she is, the kind of student she thinks she is, even if she gets help, if she needs extra help on tests, extra time for the test to get her to be able to do this, it embarrasses her. She doesn't want to have that attention drawn to her, but honestly, she's not likely to get diagnosed at this point in her life. And so she's not even likely to get that help. So that's faith. She's another tricky girl. Our next girl is Jada. Jada is a sensory kid. Now, you already know Jada has ADHD, so this is not going to be confusing for you, but it can be confusing. Just like anxiety and ADHD, sensory issues and ADHD can be confusing. Why? Because sensory regulation issues, sensory processing issues can affect your energy and your attention. They can look like ADHD. They can exist with ADHD. So there's not, this is not like a clear cut all the time, but we already know Jada has ADHD and sensory issues. And that happens all the time that those two things show up together. So noisy places like lunchroom, bathroom, indoor gym, they're overwhelming to her. She can't hear her friends. She can't filter out the noises. She can't focus. Not only that, but it gets her elevated, irritated, agitated. And that doesn't just go away when the sound goes away. She's in that agitated state for a long time after she's been overloaded with sensory info. So that makes her not very available for learning throughout her day when she's always getting these sensory assaults. She has tags on her clothes that bother her, seams on her socks that bother her. She doesn't like a lot of different food textures. She's a picky eater. This child also appears kind of grumpy and even controlling when she's trying to avoid some of her sensory triggers in her day. So what's up with Jada? Jada has sensory regulation issues, difficulties there. And they can have a really, this is not a small thing. You know, sometimes we have a little sensitivity, but for a kid that's really, a kid or an adult who's really affected by this, it's a huge functional impact for them. So the presence of sensory issues, like I said, doesn't mean that she has ADHD, but you know that she does. So, so we know she has dealing with both of those things. And honestly, there's only so many sensory inputs that Jada's going to really be able to avoid in her day if she's able to avoid many. At home, you can alter things a little bit more, and, but the classroom doesn't have as much control. She doesn't have much control over what she can be taking in sensory-wise. So school is tough for Jada. So now we have Lily. Lily, her dad calls her the master of disaster because Lily's, every environment for Lily is kind of a disaster. Her bedroom is trash. Her locker has things falling out of it. Her backpack has things crammed into it. She loses things. She constantly misplaces things. She can't really do her homework unless someone's sitting with her. And that's if we can even find the papers in her, her bags and stuff. She just, she's constantly a cyclone of, of chaos not cuz of her hyperactive activity but because of the mess the the disorder around her so what's going on with lily and i forgot to mention that lily you know if dad says hey go clean your room it just doesn't happen it absolutely doesn't happen she can't do this on her own it looks like she won't do it on her own that's what it appears like to the adults in her life because even if she has something that's kind of rewarding like oh we're gonna go do this watch this movie you want to watch whatever she still doesn't get it done she might end up eventually crying or being upset in her room because she's but not making any progress in cleaning this room well so dad eventually goes and he cleans it for her or step by step with her what happens the next day it's back to a trashed mess What's going on with Lily? Well, Lily has executive functioning issues. She has deficits in that area. If you have ADHD, these will be impacted. Executive functioning skills are the ones that help you break down your tasks. We talked about that before. They're they're your goal-directed skills. And so things like organizing her room, she's got to figure out where do things go? Where's their home? what the steps are, what's the priorities, what can she keep, put away. This seems obvious to some of us. If you have executive functioning issues, this is, this is like a minefield. This is really frustrating, challenging, difficult stuff. So even if you have somebody who comes in and does all of it for you, you're still lacking the skills that even help you maintain it. Uh, Another thing going on with Lily is that she has inattention and poor working memory. That shows up in her stuff issue, her chaos and disorder issue in two ways. Number one, she doesn't, pay attention or remember the homes for things. This child actually is probably best served by having labels on things that you you would think she would remember where they would go. She's not remembering. Also, her inattention and poor memory mean that in the absence of something having a home, she doesn't, like if she comes in the door and she takes off her shoes and doesn't have a home, She's not paying attention to where she takes off her shoes because she's on to the next thing in her mind. And she doesn't remember because she has memory issues where she put her shoes. So this child is always looking for things. She's always losing things and looking for things because things don't have a home in her world. She doesn't pay attention to where she's placing them. She doesn't remember where she places things. And so she's always losing things and it makes it really hard for her to even get to an organized state. And the same thing, even with her papers and her schoolwork and stuff, she's not able to prioritize and decide what can I throw away? What do I keep? Everything ends up being overwhelming. She keeps all of it. And it's not that she won't clean her room or that she's sloppy and messy and this. She doesn't have the skills to allow her at this point to to maintain this, to do this. She needs a lot more support than you would think a kid her age would need. The last factor for her is that she is actually so visually overwhelmed in her environments that she shuts down. So when you see somebody who's operating like a really chaotic crazy mess. It's very likely they don't see it. They're not seeing it because they've already crossed over this total overwhelm and they're kind of protecting themselves. They've shut down. They're not getting all that input. And that's actually what's happening with Lily. She doesn't even really see the level of her of her chaos and her disaster in her room and her backpack and in all the places that she's operating. So that brings us to the end of the eight girls that you met today all that had ADHD. They all were showing up, having ADHD showing up in different ways. And so none of these girls are diagnosed. They're not likely because of that to have the support that they need to thrive with ADHD. They're really not. Even if they have adults that are really loving and really connected and trying to support them oftentimes by doing a lot of things for them, it may not really be giving them what they need to later on be able to bridge this gap. And so what are they going to believe about themselves when they're not able to meet expectations that might happen sometime in school for these girls, or that might happen way beyond school with the wrong kind of job for them and their abilities. A lot of women experience that they can't close the gap when they become moms, when they become parents, that it just becomes too much. And all of these strategies and ways that they have managed to stay afloat, working very hard to stay afloat, that it just becomes more than they're able to compensate for and manage. And so I think it's really important that we understand and spread the information and educate people that ADHD doesn't look like the stereotype it can, but it looks like a lot of things that are more nuanced, more subtle, more complicated. This is a complicated subject. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you have questions, comments, please reach out to me on my website. It's the adhdclaritycoach.com. I am also on Facebook as Clarity Coaching and Instagram as the ADHD Clarity Coach. You can reach out to me in any of those places on my website. I often have blog articles about ADHD and information there for, for people to use as resources. I would love if you would visit me there. Reach out and have a great week. And thanks so much for dropping in.